Well, welcome back to our study of the book of Proverbs. Today we are in Proverbs chapter six. And um, I'm gonna read verses one through five, but then I wanna do something of a breakdown of the entire chapter. Because in some ways, the entire chapter runs together and uh, each section feeds off the other. So um, let's read uh, Proverbs chapter six and verses one through five. My son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. And I pray, dear God, for everyone who is listening to this video, Lord, especially to the children, the young people. I pray, dear God, that you would use your word in their life to not only teach them wisdom, to teach them principles, to teach them proper conduct, but most of all, Father, that they would see Christ. Lord, as the law shows us that we are sinful and in need of Christ, so Proverbs demonstrates that we are foolish and in need of Christ. Oh, dear God, please let this, um, this time spent in your word to be of more than just temporal benefit let it, Lord, be used to empower your people so that their reward will be greater, having served you here on earth. And in all things, Lord, that the name of Christ be lifted up, that his name be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun, and that all we do, whether we eat or drink or even the most menial task, that it all abound to the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get started, I would just like to say that it is a, uh, a tremendous privilege for me to sit here. Um, someone may say, you know, um, you have so much to do and, and there's the mission organization, Heart Cry, that you direct. There's the missionaries around the world. There's uh, conferences and, and things like that. Uh, why are you spending so much time teaching children? Well, because this is where it all begins. Young people, listen to me. If you can start now, you know, um, just literally feeding upon the word of God, cultivating a relationship with Christ through his word, through prayer, it will change everything, not just about uh, your youth, but it'll change everything about your life. I would beg you, in all the things you may to which you may aspire, um, aspire to this, to know Christ and to know his word and to live it out, to live it out in a world that is sometimes quite dark. Now here in, in chapter six of the book of Proverbs, we have something like, I guess we could entitle this navigating uh, through the dark sea of this dark world. You know, as, as we go through life, we're going to find out that there are a lot of stumbling blocks. There are a lot of uh, reefs and shoals that are hidden. 
and they are, uh, they're dangerous. You know, sometimes when we think about reefs, you know, we think about the beautiful fish and, and the beautiful colors under the water, but you have to realize that sailors were terrified of reefs because they could run their boat up against a reef and be shipwrecked. They could be caught literally in the sea and then the waves would come and break apart the ship and eventually, well, there's just destruction and ruin. In the same way in this life, there are so many dangers for the Christian in this fallen world. And the way that we navigate through all of this is by studying the Word of God. That's how we do it, studying the Word of God. So in this chapter, chapter six, we have 35 verses. In verses one through five, it talks about the dangers of rashness, of, of rash decisions. And then in verses six through 11, the dangers of being slothful, of being lazy. You know, sometimes we, uh, people make jokes about laziness, they laugh about laziness, but in fact, laziness or slothfulness is a deadly sin, a deadly sin. And then in verses 12 through 19, the dangers of, of wickedness, of living a life that is contrary to the nature and will of God. And then finally, uh, in verses 24 through 35, the dangers of unfaithfulness, especially in the context of marriage and in the context of the family. You know, when we get married, we make a commitment to another person. To break that commitment is an extraordinarily horrible thing to do. I know today that people go in and out of marriages like it was going in and out of a door, but that's not the way the Bible views it. Uh, Jesus said, what God has brought together, let no one separate. Now, um, between the study of wickedness and faithfulness, in verses 20 through 23, um, let's just read it for a moment. So in, in the middle of outlining all these dangers, in, in verse 20, we have, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Now, so in the middle of all these hidden dangers in this dark world, God gives us the key on how to navigate. And how is that? Well, with a lamp. And what is that lamp? It's the word of God. You can look at the word of God as, as a lamp that shines a light so that you can put your feet on secure ground. Uh, you can look at the Word of God as a map. There's an illustration I often use. Imagine that you are on one side of a huge room and you're told that in order to live, in order to survive, you must make it across, all the way across the room. Doesn't sound too difficult. But then, before you take your first step, you receive a warning. There are hidden mines, explosives, under the floor. And if you step on one of them, well, you'll perish. Well, now you, you have a problem. You have to get across the room, but it's a very, very deadly journey. So the question is, how can you navigate what you do not see? Well, 
If someone gives you a map and says two steps forward, three steps to your right, one step forward, six steps to your left, eventually, if you walk carefully, if you walk having studied the map and walk according to the map, you can make it across the room safely. Well, that's the same thing that we have before us today. We have the dangers of rashness, slothfulness, all kinds of wickedness, unfaithfulness, all dangers that we can fall into. But if we have the word of God guiding us, well, we'll be okay. Now, I, I want to give you an important note here that I've put down on the paper in front of me, and it's this. Some of you may be thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty wise. Uh, I love the Lord. I don't have any dangers of falling into these things. I have no intention. Well, no one starts out wanting to shipwreck their life. No one starts out wanting to get involved in such vice and sin that it eventually captivates them. No one. But as we know from experience, many, many people do. As a matter of fact, we could say even the majority of people do the very thing they never intended. And so there's a very important passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And as a young person especially, you need to know and, and uh, practice, understand, apply this text to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. You know, I praise God if you've like been homeschooled and you've been protected from many of the dark things that are in this world, but you need to understand that's simply not enough. You are capable of all kinds and types of sin. Therefore, you need to, in a sense, live with fear. You say fear the devil? Absolutely, but also let me in, let you in on something. You should also fear that which is within you. Because although if you're a Christian, you know, you have a new heart, you need to understand there is still the flesh. It's hard to describe what it is, but it's, a, it's the residue of the old sinful man that is still working in your members. And not only do you have to fight against the devil, you have to fight against what's inside. I've often said that the devil could take a vacation in Palm Springs and leave you entirely alone, and you would still have struggles struggles to live the Christian life because of the flesh that still resides within you. Now, one day when we die or one day when Jesus returns, we'll be liberated from that. But right now, it's a battle. And know this, all of us, every one of us, even the one teaching here today is capable of falling. So what? We don't trust in ourselves. Well, it's easy to say. But what does it mean not to trust in yourself? It means to study the word of God and depend upon it, not trusting in your own wisdom, but trusting in the wisdom of God's word. And it means praying for life and power. Because just because you know something doesn't mean that you've got it all down. Because it's not just knowing, it's doing. And not just doing every once in a while, but making doing the very practice or custom of your life. All right, now let's go on and let's look at verses one through five. I'm going to read them again. My son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. 
Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go, humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. All right, now what does all this mean? Well, let's look at verse one. First of all, my son. We've talked about this a lot, but I want to continue to press this upon your mind that for the most part, when your parents are trying to teach you something, it's because they love you. And so here we have, and they are afraid for you. And so here we have a father who is talking to his son. Now, many of you do not have children, your children yourself. Well, I can tell you something that probably your parents have said many, many times, but it's true. Um, you can never understand what it's like to have a child and to love a child until you have one. Um, you love them. You would give your life for them. You, uh, you would wish that all the mistakes that maybe you made they would never make. You want them, you don't exist to take away all their joy. You're not the dream crusher in the family, but you do give instruction and prohibition and teaching because you want your children to have a wonderful life and you want them to avoid that which not only can hinder, but destroy. So he says, my son. So what is the source of this counsel? I want us to think about it um, in three ways. First of all, it's a father who loves and is concerned for the well-being of his child. So this advice is not coming from someone who wants to manipulate you or coerce you or get you to do something wrong. It's advice coming from someone who loves you. Secondly, a father knows the dangers of this life. Um, I've had you know, young people go, I'd love to go to the jungle. I'm not afraid of the jungle. And I say to them, you're not afraid of the jungle because you've never been there. You don't know what's in that jungle. And you don't know how much you will need the indigenous peoples in order to survive there. You see, you think a certain way because you have no experience in this. Well, a father has lived for many years, more than his child, and he understands the dangers of this life. There's a passage in Job 12, 12 that says, wisdom is with aged men, with long life is understanding. Now, this is a general theme throughout all the Bible. And I need to point this out, why? Because our culture says just the opposite. I can remember, uh, even as a, a youngster, that when you would watch maybe children's programs or programs on TV that would um, try to appeal to young people, it seemed like the heroes and the people who possessed all the wisdom in these television movies were children or teenagers. And that the parents were always kind of out of touch with reality, bumbling, stumbling, and had to be taught by their children. That is absolutely absurd. It is absurd. And that's not the way it really works, but it's the way the devil wants you to see. It's like the devil wants men to think that they know more than God. And then the devil wants children to think that they know more than adults. 
I, I oftentimes have told young people, not only do you not know the answer, you don't even know what the questions are. So it's a father who knows the dangers of this life and it's a father who understands the gullibility of youth, how gullible young people are. Now, what does it mean that they're gullible? It means it's easy to trick them. It's easy to deceive them. It, it, it is, why? You just simply do not have the experience. You simply do not have the knowledge. And that's one of the reasons why we listen to counsel, because we simply don't know. And one of the wisest things you can do is realize that you do not know. You know, I talk a lot uh, about my years in Peru. Uh, I love Peru, love the mountains, the jungles, the cities. And, uh, you know, I always want everyone to know that, that I did a lot in those jungles, but only because I was with people who actually knew what they were doing. You see, if you had just put me as an Illinois farm boy in the middle of that jungle, I, I would have been in a lot of trouble. But the fact of the matter is, I was surrounded by people who had been born in that jungle. People that uh, were generation after generation of, of people who, who just knew the jungle, studied the jungle, lived from the jungle. And so as long as I was with them, and as long as I followed their counsel, I was just fine, you see. As a matter of fact, Acknowledging that I didn't know what I was doing, being willing to listen to the counsel of others, it didn't limit my life like the devil will tell you, you know, take away my freedom. It gave me freedom. It gave me the ability to do things and go places that I never would have been able to go on my own. Not only in the jungle, but also in the city. A dear friend of mine, uh, his name is Paco Laos. And he was as streetwise as you could possibly get in the city of Lima. So I could go to different places and preach and be in very dangerous neighborhoods or barrios and without fear. Why? Not because I knew what I was doing, but because I was listening to those who did, those who had experience. Now, you may say, oh, just because I'm young doesn't mean I'm naive or gullible. Well, Listen to what the Bible says. It associates being naive and easy to trick with being young. The two go hand in hand. So in Proverbs 1, 4, it says that Proverbs was written to give prudence to the naive, to youth, knowledge, and discretion. Now, remember what we learned about Proverbs. It's very, very important that we have a thing often in Proverbs, the book of Psalms, in the wisdom literature, it's called a Hebrew parallelism. The Bible will say something and then say it again using different terms, but those different terms help us to understand the terms that were used previously. And so it says, to give prudence to the naive, to give discretion, so it's linking prudence and discretion, to give uh, prudence and discretion to the naive, to the youth. So as it links knowledge and prudence, uh, our, our knowledge, discretion and prudence, it also links youthfulness and being naive. Also in Proverbs 7, 7, it says, and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Again, we see the same thing. Being young and being naive are put together. And in fact, 
It is true. And if you would just as a young person realize that you do not know as much as you think you know, then that begins your journey to learning. But never forget this, to actually learn, to truly, truly learn something, you have to have a humble and teachable spirit. A humble and teachable spirit. A person who cannot humble himself is a person who will never learn. Or if they do learn, it's learning through the school of hard knocks. You know, there's a saying out there, live and learn. I don't recommend it because it means learn by experience. Do you want to learn by experience that a great white shark is dangerous? I don't think so. It's better to learn from someone else, a marine biologist, that a great white shark is is dangerous, and then from that knowledge, continue living. It leaves you a lot less scarred in the end. And, and that's another thing. Your parents, they've lived long enough, they probably have some scars, and they have some scars because of some wrong and unbiblical decisions in their life. And when they warn you so adamantly not to do the same thing, it's because they just don't want you to have the same scars, you see. All right. So another thing about being young, there is a tendency for young people to want to please others, but more importantly, they want to be approved of others. They want to fit in. So clever people like the one we're going to see here who wants to make you a surety, a guarantee, um, wants you to vouch for them. They will use clever words, manipulative words, they will coerce you into making promises that you simply should not pay, that you should not make. So also, I want to say this. I could just tell you that young people can be ensnared quickly by their words. They can be trapped by the things they say, and especially by the things they promise. But it doesn't just apply to young people. It applies to everyone. All of us need to receive wisdom and counsel from others. All of us need to be quick to think, quick to hear, slow to speak, and all of us need to recognize that although words can be very beneficial, they can be extremely dangerous for us. Extremely dangerous. Now, this lesson has been kind of brief, but it's kind of an introduction to the whole chapter. And I think that we've already learned quite a bit in this lesson. So I'm going to lead us in prayer here. And then when we come back, we're going to look at the great danger of rashness. And I want to assure you, it is dangerous. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for your scriptures. And Lord, I pray, please use this in the life of young people that they might humble themselves and recognize that they need your wisdom and not their own. That they recognize that oftentimes your wisdom is gleaned through receiving biblical counsel from others, especially those who are older, mothers, fathers, pastors. And oh dear God, I pray for the parents. I pray for those in authority like teachers and pastors and preachers, 
that they themselves would walk in the fear of the Lord, that they would be examples and that they would proclaim, teach your word to this next generation, that they might rise up, raise up and be strong. In Jesus' name.